Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF the podcast. This is episode 108 called Sarah K. Hey everyone, it's Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally, and we wanted to tell you about an amazing event we're hosting on Saturday, April 17th. The event is called Fertility Rally Live, an all-day virtual celebration of the infertility community for anyone and everyone building their modern families and seeking empowerment, education, support, and community. Our speakers are some of the biggest names and brightest minds in the infertility community and beyond. Our morning keynotes are Mina Starsiak-Hawk and Steve Hawk from HGTV's Good Bones. And our afternoon keynote is Jessica Zucker, PhD and author of the acclaimed memoir, I Had a Miscarriage. In addition to those two amazing keynotes, we're hosting a couples panel, a female physicians panel, and 16 breakout sessions covering everything we could squeeze into one day, including surrogacy, IVF, pregnancy after infertility, male factor infertility, donor conception, embryo adoption, recurrent pregnancy loss, and so much more. There will also be tons of giveaways all day long from fertility-friendly and wellness brands. And of course, a happy hour with a very special guest, a VIP after party, and a virtual swag bag worth hundreds of dollars. If you or someone you know is navigating infertility, you will love our event. We are here to empower and educate you and have some fun along the way, of course. Tickets are on sale now at fertilityrally.com. Head over to our IG at Fertility Rally for even more info on speakers and tickets. We can't wait to rally with you. Guys, I'm so excited to tell you about Belly for Women Prenatal, which just hit the market. 92% of women don't get even close to the 450 milligrams of recommended choline they need in their diets. And in a recent study, most prenatals don't contain much of any choline at all. Belly's women's formula includes 400 milligrams of choline. Belly did things differently when they created their prenatal. They looked at the research and they evaluated what key ingredients were needed to help women prepare their bodies to be the healthiest they can to conceive, grow, and welcome new little lives. Belly is formulated with the right nutrients to help boost your fertility, increase egg quality, and support IVF to increase your chances of conception and a healthy pregnancy. Then once you're pregnant, Belly is gentler on the stomach to reduce the effects of morning sickness made with methylated B vitamins and the right amount of choline to support your baby's development. To get started with Belly, go to bellybaby.com and use code ALLIE15 for 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code ALLIE, A-L-I-1-5 at bellybaby.com. That's B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. Thanks, Belly. Okay, guys. So I am thrilled to tell you about my guest today. Her name is Sarah Kuhn, and she is the founder of the Juna app, which helps guide people through TTC, pregnancy, and motherhood. It's a workout and nutrition app. And today she's going to tell us all about her TTC journey and how she came to have her three kids. And it was not an easy story. So I will let her tell it herself. Without further ado, this is Sarah's infertility story. Okay, so for people who might not know, Sarah Kuhn 
you are the founder of Juna. Yes. So tell us, first of all, how you got involved with that and and what Juna is. I know you've got a podcast and community yeah. and content, all, all the things. So Yes. So uh, Juna is a fitness and nutrition app for pregnancy and postpartum and mm-hmm. actually soon to be trying to conceive. I got into that because I have been in fitness and nutri- digital fitness and nutrition, like working for companies like Beachbody and Yoga Works and FitPlan, helping them launch their online platforms for the last 10 years. And during that time, I spent a lot of time trying to get pregnant, pregnant, and postpartum. And I just felt like there was nothing out there that really served my needs in the fitness world. Like I just didn't know what to do, what was safe, what wasn't safe, when I could resume. Like I had so many questions and nowhere to get like the real answers. Mm-hmm. And it had been like something I had thought about for the last, I would say like from the moment I had I I like found out I was pregnant for the very first time, which like it took, you know, I'll, I'll get, obviously get into that later, but it took two years just to have a successful pregnancy. Right. But I spent a lot of time in that period and I was like, man, like, I, like, this is just like, there's like, I just don't know. I don't know what to do. And I tried to pitch the companies I was working for into doing it. And I, I think like what, like everyone, like what, at least the CEOs I was working for were just like, that's very niche. And I did not believe that to be the truth. (laughs) I'm like 50% of people are women. (laughs) Like, and then a lot of them will be going through this period in their life. So to think that like pregnancy is niche seems silly. Mm -hmm. And I left my last company two Januarys ago and was like, you know what? I'm going to, my husband kind of gave me the push. He was like, there's no one better like suited to run this business than you. Like you, like you've done product, you've done marketing, you've like, you, like you, you know, the nutrition and fitness side, you can find the right partners. You have the right people. He's like, put the pieces together. Like you have my support, just mm-hmm. do it. And so, so I did, I left my job and that was kind of how I had, you know, like started Juna mm-hmm. and it's just been steadily growing since. And I, you know, like I think it's my like thesis that like a lot of people, are looking for very specific pregnancy content is mm-hmm. was, was true, and you know we've built a wonderful community online, and and you know like I think like I'm doing what I set out to do, and it makes me really happy because I think like every time I get an email from someone saying like Juna has changed my pregnancy, like I it just makes me so happy, and it, and it's also like it's changed like I've been able to be a user of it for this last pregnancy mm-hmm. and the difference in my body and my outlook and, and like what I expect to be my recovery will, is just going to be so different because I'm in such better shape. Yeah. That's so cool. You can like road test it all yourself. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, and I, and it's given me wonderful ideas too. Like, like so many new features that we're releasing, like are based on me being like, this is missing or this needs that and this needs Completely. to be tweaked. Yeah. It's the way that all, all the best products are come about. So tell me, okay, so the reason, obviously, you're amazing and I want to talk to you anyway, but you know, I do want to hear your infertility story. So I'd love to hear what happened with you guys when you started to try. So if you don't mind, can we start kind of at the beginning and yeah. when you guys started to try to have kids? We can go back. Yes. So I, um, unlike, I think a lot of people had never, like I never dreamed of having kids. Like I, I always just thought like my dogs were enough and Mm -hmm. 
that was, I, you know, I was very happy with my life and my career and the things that we were doing. But my husband was like, you're going to want kids. And this is like when we were just dating. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really don't think so. Like, I'm very happy and content. And I like to travel and eat at restaurants and have my freedom. Mm-hmm. And um, some part of him was just like, I see the way you're with the dogs. There's no way you're not going to have children because he married me anyway. And there was no, <laughs> there was no way he was not going to have children. Mm-hmm. After our wedding, I like immediately was like, I, I want children. I'm going to pull the goalie and I'm getting my IUD taken out and mm-hmm. we're going to have kids. And I think my husband was like, whoa, pump the brakes. Like I want children, but like not today. We live in a studio apartment, Sarah. Like, are you nuts? Right. And how old were you at the time and where were you guys living? We were living in Marina Del Rey, California. Okay. In a studio. It was, a, I mean, it was a big studio, but it was a studio. There's no, no doors on anything. And I was 29. And so I had pulled the goalie. My husband said no. I was like, oh, shit. Maybe I was a little premature on that. Let me get back on birth control because we're about to go on our honeymoon. Whoops. (laughs) Yes. So I had think I'd been on, like my IUD had been pulled for two weeks and then I started, you know, I had the Nuva ring or whatever it was, but didn't think anything of it. And I like started feeling like incredibly like weird symptoms while I was on our honeymoon. I was just like, I'm constipated. I'm tired. Like all the, but like not, oh yeah, I, I did take one pregnancy test. It came out negative on our honeymoon and I didn't think about it again. Then I got home. I was still having all of these like symptoms, and I was talking to my friend, who's my who's also my doctor. And she's like, "Can you just do me a favor and take another pregnancy test?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure, nope, I'll do that." And so I went and got a pregnancy test and like took it home. And, and not for one second did I think I would be pregnant. And it took the pregnancy test, was pregnant. I like went out and got three more pregnancy tests just to confirm, which now like knowing what I know, I'm like, that was so silly. You like virtually never get a false positive. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but there we were. And so my husband was like, oh my God, we're not ready for a baby. And I'm like, well, we're having a baby. And so we're just going to have to deal with this. And he's like, well, like, let's go get like, go to the doctor. Let's get everything confirmed. So I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, I don't see anything in your, like, there's nothing in your uterus. Like, let's get your HCG checked. Cause obviously like, you know, let, let's just see where it is. Cause if it's, if it's over X amount, that means it's probably ectopic. And like, and they're throwing all these big words at me. And like, now they, this is like all like second, you know, like second hand. Like I know, like I know everything about this stuff, but like, uh-huh. then I was like, what the hell is an ectopic pregnancy? And right. I immediately get home and I start Googling all this stuff found out the next day that my, they were like, if your blood, if your HGD is over 2000, go to the ER immediately. Uh-huh. So, okay. I go to the ER because they called and said, you definitely have an ectopic pregnancy. You're going to need to get that taken care of. But uh-huh. I had no idea what that meant either. Um, right. Like what had you found on Google going down that Google rabbit hole, which we talk about often. Yeah. Yes. That basically an ectopic pregnancy is an embryo that has implanted outside of your uterus. Right. And it's dangerous too. It can be dangerous. Very. It can be very dangerous. I will also get into that Mm because I had had two of them. Right. But the first one, they ended up giving me, treating me like in ER with a methotrexate shot. And then I had to get my blood work done like twice a week, every week until my HCG was back down to zero, which basically would say, okay, you, their pregnancy has left your system. And the so the methotrexate is, shot, sorry to interrupt, but that yes, stops no. the pregnancy, right? It stops the pregnancy. Yeah. 
it basically like it's like a it, it essentially like kills the embryo and yeah. stops the pregnancy. Right. Okay. So did that the day I got back down to zero, I got like approved for exercise. I went to my my normal group exercise class at Equinox. And that whole rest of the day, I just like felt a little bit off. And that night I like said to my husband, I was like, I've never been in this kind of pain. I think I need to go to the ER. So we went, he took me in like, I'm like, I have a very high <laughs> tolerance for pain. And he was just like, okay, like you, you've never done this. Like, let's, let's just go. And I, I mean, I was like throwing up in the bathroom at the ER until they finally got me in. And it turned out that like it hadn't resolved itself. It mm-hmm. had actually ruptured and I needed to have emergency surgery to remove all of the, like basically whatever was left in there. And then mm-hmm. I also ended up having a tube removed. Yeah. And so that was like a, I think it was like this, like, like getting the methotrexate shot, like mentally was just like, okay, well like this is this, these were the cards that we were dealt and it's okay. We're, you know, like it's being taken care of and now we're going to try and move on with our life and we'll continue with the, our pregnancy journey when we're like really ready and okay. And then like six weeks later being thrown into this like emergency situation where like now, like now my tube has been removed. My, like my ability to get pregnant in my eyes, like had now become 50% because I only have one working tube. Like all of these things like just confronted me in a way that like I did not expect. And I, and like my husband too, like, I think like we were, I remember like spending three days just in bed watching MasterChef Junior because it was like, the only, only thing that made me feel good. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, I was devastated. Yeah, and, of course. And and like, yeah, it was just it, it was just like a tough thing. And then, and then we kind of like picked up the pieces and we we're like, okay, like it's October now. Let's start trying again for a family in January. Like, let's get ourselves in shape. Like, let's get mentally prepared. I want like my body to be in the best shape it could be in for pregnancy, and mm-hmm. and who knows how long it's going to take us because now I only have one working fallopian tube, and right. And so he was like, okay. Then January came around. We immediately started to to like you know tracking ovulation, and and I got like real serious about it. Like I needed to have every data point possible, which I talk about a lot on my podcast, but it's like, a, it's like the least sexy thing in the world. It completely consumed our marriage for, and like, it was, you know, it was only like a one month, but I remember, you know, with, for this period, I remember like my, I telling my husband, like I'm ovulating and he was like, okay, okay like, all right. And then like, we could, like couldn't get it. Like we just couldn't get it going. Mm-hmm. And I was like mad at him. And I'm like, you need to pull it together. And he's like, that is just not helpful. Um, yes. Oh my God. I had the <laughs> same exact thing happen. Sorry, Vince, yes. but it's real. <laughs> it is just like, you're like, there, the timing needs to be perfect. And I've done all of these things to make sure that the timing is perfect. All you have to do is show up right. and you can't. <laughs> right, 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 right. So we actually ended up getting pregnant on the first try in January. Mm-hmm. And then had a miscarriage. And Mm -hmm. I found out that I was having a miscarriage at, I think it was six and a half weeks, Mm -hmm. which like gave, and I like knew that I was pregnant at like four, at exactly four weeks. So it had like, I had two and a half weeks to like get really excited about it. And um, (laughs) it was like just enough to be crushing. Totally. 
And, and I was just like, well, that, that really sucks. But I remember, and this is not to like, miscarriage is absolutely awful. And I like, wouldn't wish it on anybody. But I remember saying to my husband, I'm just so glad that like, this feels much more natural than like the ectopic pregnancy and the surgery. And like, we aren't in the ER, like having a, you know, I'm like this, like, this, like I can deal with this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take one day to be really sad. And then like, we can, and that was just like how I processed it. That's your own, you know, that's your own experience and your own story. So you had gone through the trauma of the surgery and all that stuff. So that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And it was, it was just like, it was just like, I just felt like, okay, of, of all of the worst case scenarios, this one felt better than my last one. Right. (laughs) And then I was just like, and you know, and it's good because like I got pregnant on the first try and that's great. And that means that like my one working fallopian tube is working. So then I, we just, we weren't even, I wouldn't say that we weren't trying because we were actively having unprotected sex, but I never got a period between my miscarriage and my next pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so I was just a little, like I was off in like, we, we, we were guessing how pregnant I was, you know, like I just didn't know when I ovulated, but I was feeling all of the like pregnancy symptoms and I called and we, I, we were going away on our five-year wedding anniversary and we were going to Mexico and I had this like bright red, like drop of blood. And I was like, what is that? Oh no, like bright red's never good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just want to get to that. Let me like get this checked out before we go to Mexico because I like just, I need some peace of mind before I'm like in a mess Mex- in like Mexico with, you know, in, without my healthcare. Right. So I got in with my doctor and my husband was thankfully with me because we were, it was eight weeks, seven weeks, whatever it was. And the ultimate, I don't know if this is the same with everyone, but, but some, the ultrasound tech, like can't tell you anything. Like the doctor needs to be present. Right. So, right. But they get that look on their face. Yeah, yeah. She had this look on her face and we can, we're sitting there, we hear the heartbeat. So we're like, well, we're good. Right. Like there's the heartbeat. Uh-huh. And she, and she's like making this like weird face and kind of like shaking her head. Mm. And my husband and I are like, I just feel my chest sink. And finally the OB comes in and she's like, she's like, and this is a different OB because I had changed jobs and changed my healthcare. So it like mm-hmm. wasn't, she like knew my history, but didn't know my, like my, I guess like maybe she didn't even know my history, but, but she's like, so it's not in the right place. And I'm like, uh, what, like, what does that mean? And she's mm-hmm. like, but it's not in your tube. She's like, it's in your uterus, but it's just not in the right place in your uterus. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Right. <laughs> There's the uterus. It's like, that's where it's supposed to be. Right. So she basically goes on to tell me that it's in the corneal region, which is the top corner of your uterus. Mm-hmm. And that like, this is a very dangerous place for an ectopic pregnancy because it's super vascular. And if this ruptures, like essentially I, I could bleed out in minutes. And I was just like, okay. She's like, so we need you to walk downstairs very carefully. And we need you to go to the ER immediately. We will send our family, like, like family OBs who are on call. They'll, they'll know your whole case, your your whole history, but we need you admitted immediately. Scary. And I was like, okay. And so, so then I'm, and by the way, like I have the worst first trimester pregnancy symptoms. Like I am throwing up like it was just it was miserable and I was just like I remember laying there being like what is 
And it took them, I think it took them like 10 hours to admit me. Like, and I was just like, what? Yeah, it was, it was just like, cause they were waiting for a bed up in, I guess like on the OB, what it was just like a different, like I wasn't being admitted to emergency. I needed to be admitted into another section. Cause apparently what I didn't know was I was going to be there for a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. And, and so throughout all this, like the OB that ended up becoming my OB for the, my next two children was like being very, like, she was like, here's the week was how we just did an ultrasound. Like, this is where it is here are the different treatment plans. And like, in my head, I'm like, well, can't we just like move it? Like, can't right? we just move it down? She's like, no, that's not how it works. And I was like, so you like have to terminate this pregnancy. Like after we had just heard this heartbeat, you know, like, I'm just like, what? Like, I don't understand. And she's like, yeah, like we do. It's, it's like, you have to, but there's so few, like I had read, and this is back when like up to date was not just for doctors. Like they let anyone into it. Mm-hmm. I had read every piece of medical literature on corneal ectopic pregnancies while mm-hmm. I was in the hospital for this. Like I, I knew every different way that they could possibly have treated it. Mm-hmm. And the way that they treated mine was like a completely new way. Like they decided to like, so basically it was like, they couldn't just give me methotrexate because the embryo was eight weeks. It was like too big. Essentially. Okay. Tell me if I'm just getting into too much detail, but no, not at all. This is really okay. interesting, but that was too big. And then they were like, we could go in vaginally and shoot it directly into the embryo, mm-hmm. or we can go through your stomach and find it like that way. And I'm like, okay. And, and I'm at, I was at the UCLA medical hospital, which is mm-hmm. a teaching hospital. So everything is like an opportunity for like new doctors and residents and to like see mm-hmm. new cases. And so my case was very exciting to everyone because this was so rare and so, so unique. Right. And by this, so they, they had started me on methotrexate, which by the way, I've said it a lot, but it's like, it's a form of chemotherapy. And yeah. so add on first trimester symptoms with chemotherapy. And like, God. I was so ill. I couldn't eat. Like, I, I think like while I was in the hospital, I lost like 12 pounds. Oh, and um, so they were giving me methotrexate every 24 hours. Then we did a, what I was supposed to be a over the, like through my abdomen, they were going to shoot methotrexate directly into the embryo. It turns out my uterus flipped. So they had to go in vaginally oh. and they, they, they couldn't give me anesthesia because the anesthesiologist had already left for the day. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, uh, well, I guess that, I guess we're doing this then. And like, I had no choice in the matter. I'd already been wheeled down. My husband was like waiting outside in the hall. And he said that over 50 residents like had filed into the other room to watch this procedure happen. Mm-hmm. And I like I'm I'm horrified now. I'm like, oh my god, I can't I cannot believe this. But yeah. it took it took the ultrasound and whatever the I don't even know what kind of doc because he wasn't a tech like it was he was a doctor that does uh-huh. I guess surgical op or whatever it is like through ultrasound. Mm-hmm. It took him two different tries to like get it into my embryo. Oh, and I just and I remember like feeling devastated because it was just like. Like, yes, I'm glad you got it, but now that was my baby. Absolutely. Um, and just like the trauma of like going through the, I guess like the, the getting through the, the second or third, third pregnancy that was now ultimately terminated. 
And then just like this whole other, and oh, what I forgot to mention was because this wasn't, they didn't have like my medical files from Kaiser, which is where I had my first procedure. Mm-hmm. They weren't, and I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know which tube I lost. Mm. So when they kept saying this procedure, we may need to end up basically giving you a hist- like we may need to remove the other tube. We may need, like, these are all these things that could happen. And so like right. the thought, like the thought of me not having a baby at all was like really like, a, it was a real threat. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't until I think it was my third or fourth day in the hospital that Kaiser finally released my records. And it was like, Oh no, you lost your right tube because weirdly my, the embryo went down my left tube, shot over to the other side and implanted on the opposite side corneal region. Uh-huh. And so the whole time that, that, that we, uh, the whole time we were under the impression that my right side was the one with the tube because that was the side that, that it had implanted on. And so, oh, okay. Got it. So like we were pretty certain the whole time that like my one remaining tube was going to have to go, go as well. Anyway, all that to say that would, that was not the case. So finding that out at three or four days was like really helpful, I think for me. Mentally. Like one piece of good news after a shit storm of like terrible news, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I ended up spending eight days in the hospital and then having to do the blood work for like the remain, like, and, and the whole time I was there, what, what we were waiting for was my HCG to start going down. Okay. So basically like every day they'd come and do blood work and every day my HCG was still growing up, which to them meant that the pregnancy was still working. And then finally, I think it, it was like day five, it started to head down and they needed it to be like below a certain number, which meant it was actually shrinking. But yeah, so it was eight days in the hospital. And um, wow. that was in March of 2015. Mm-hmm. And maybe two, no, 2014. And then... It ended up taking three or four months for my HCG to go down to zero. Wow. And that three or four months was actually like kind of a blessing for me and and my marriage because it meant we couldn't try to get pregnant. Like getting pregnant was not an option. Yeah. And so we could like really focus on the healing part of our journey like because we just – it felt like we were just like thrown into like all of this stuff. Yeah. And – and my OB at the time was like, look, we, like, I deal with normal pregnancies. Like, you need, you're now, like, considered high risk. Like, you need to find a new OB. And I also recommend you see a reproductive endocrinologist. And so, okay. yeah. so that was, that was the next step. But I basically had to wait until my HCG was down to zero. Mm-hmm. And well, you make a good point of, for the relationship's sake, at least, it wasn't like, let's try, let's try, let's try. Like, you finally had, you know, a reason to not have to think about that for a moment. It was, I I think like my husband will say it too, but it was like the best thing. Cause like we could just drink and go out to restaurants and, and like literally lose focus for a bit because it just felt like the last eight months had been one disappointment after the next in like really highly medicalized ways. Yeah. And and so finally, when I, I think I, it's the hysterosalpingogram that I got that basically like looks at your at your tubes to see like what happened, and there was essentially like no explanation to why this would have happened. Like I think both were kind of freak, mm-hmm. um, but my 
OB at the time was just like, look, I, I still recommend going the IVF route. Like you have a little bit of scar tissue, which could, could suggest it. Like we just don't know, but like having had two of these, like, and you only have one tube left, like this will eliminate a lot of risk for you. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's, she's like, that's the course I would recommend. Right. And she's like, and here's the reproductive endocrinologist that I recommend. And I like trusted this woman because this was the woman that, uh, that like kind of like was, was my OB when we were in the hospital, like got me through those eight days. Like I just, I like loved her so deeply. And I feel like all she wanted to do was deliver a healthy baby of mine. And so when Uh she was like, this is who I think you should use as a reproductive endocrinologist, like to me, it was like, that's who I'm using. Right. And it was also like they worked out of the same office together at UCLA. So it was, it was, I like wait. I, so all that to say, I was just like, I'll wait for however long to get an appointment with her. Sure. Which was another two months. And so during those two months, we did not try, which was like another two month break, which was nice. Mm-hmm. And then we started the IVF process in October with this new reproductive endocrinologist. Okay. And we did one cycle. It is not covered in California. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so insurance. Uh, so that was just like a huge out of pocket expense. Like, I, you know, I, my dad, who's like the most wonderful man in the world, like, he was just like, uh, like, I want you to, I want you to have whatever you want. Like, let me help you guys do this. Yes. Our parents helped us too, my in laws yeah. and my parents. Yeah. It's just like one of those things that like we wouldn't have been able to do it without no. him. Yeah. And so, yeah. I just feel so grateful that we were able, and I mean, and I feel so grateful and, you know, I'll get to the the punchline here, but our, you know, our kids are not from IVF, but we did the first round and I went, like when I'm telling you, and I, you know, based on your story too, like you, like you fully understand, like I have never felt more stress in my body Yeah, to like to have an outcome than like than what, what, what we were going through during IVF. It was just like, okay, we've now been at this for well over a year and a half. Like Mm -hmm. I have, all I want is a baby. Like my, Mm -hmm. all my friends around me are having babies. Like we, like we're literally like, we just did IVF. I have, I think I had eight, eight good embryos left. I have every opportunity to have this baby. This needs to work. Like it it needs to work. Yep. So we transferred one. They wouldn't transfer more than one for me because that would be a higher risk of ectopic. Sure. And so they transferred one and it was right before Thanksgiving. And I remember taking Thanksgiving break and just like the only thing that I could do was think about it. Like I obsessed so compulsively. Like I don't even like I don't think I could have like a normal conversation with someone without me just like drifting off into like is my body pregnant is my body pregnant oh right. what was that what was that and totally um, and I took a pregnancy test before that ten day blood test and I knew it was negative mm. and I was like so disappointed when yeah. like I, but like at least like I was so glad I did did because like when they called me I was able to like be like, no, I, I know. <laughs> like, I'm right. okay. Like, I'll deal with it. And she's like, okay, so like, you know, we can try again next month and we'll just do this, this, and this. And, and that's what we'll do. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I think like I had, so that was our, our plan was to try again in December, mm-hmm. but I had a, um, a two and a half week vacation planned with, we were going to go visit my 
my fam, both my brothers live in New York City or live in New York. My in-laws live in Scarsdale. So we were going to be doing like kind of like a trip around New York. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing all of our friends and family. And I was like, well, we got to do this before, before that trip. And it was like all going to like line up with my ovulation. And if I ovulated late, it wasn't going to, you know, so right. I had all that stress and it's there and there, like the, the lab was closing on the 16th. And it was just, so all of that, I'm just like, I need to ovulate before this day. So much pressure. <laughs> yeah. And my husband was just like, he, he literally like put his foot down and he was like, Sarah, we're taking December off. He's like, there is like, you cannot, like, you cannot be in this mental space. He's like, you He's like, first of all, we're going to New York. Don't you want to like drink and enjoy like seeing our friends and family? Like it's like, he's like, we don't have this opportunity. You're not, we didn't get pregnant last month. Right. For you to like, for us to like be fighting so hard just to make sure that you ovulate during X. Like, you know, he's like, it's just like, let's just take the month off. We'll revisit in, in January. And that's that. And like much to my chagrin, I was just like, fine. Like, fine. You're right. Like, you're right. right. Like you obviously need this. And so do I. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I like I ovulated like seven days later than like, there was no way I was even going to come close to yeah. making it to the lab. And then, you know, like, I think like I took two weeks mentally off of the pregnancy thing. Like I didn't, I just like left it. And I was just like, you know, we are, we're going to enjoy our friends and family. Like, and we'll revisit this baby thing in January. And that was the month that we got pregnant with Luca. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, uh, and like, I, I, I don't want to feed into the like myth that like stress causes infertility at all. Cause that's not true. Like, but like in my case, like the physical stress and anxiety that I put my body under, I think like was, was literally preventing me from like preventing my body to have <laughs> to, to like carry a healthy baby. Yeah. No, I would I wouldn't say that it's not true across the board. I think it just varies and it depends on the situation and you know, I have talked to people where it's like cortisol, right? The stress hormone oh, yes. blocks other things from happening and kind of takes over and so I do think that that, you know, there's lots of studies that have said it plays a role. I mean, it's yeah. this isn't a medical podcast as you know and I'm not going to go out and say that. <laughs> but you know, it is something to look at. It's a factor that, you know, can yeah. play a role for sure. And- and it's one of those things too, where I'm like, like you, you, it's so hard to get out of your head because when you want to start a family, like you want to start a family, like things are like things that are getting in your way become stressful and it's, it is just a stressful situation. Absolutely. Um, so letting, like having these like moments where, where like we were forced to let go was like was very helpful for us. Yeah. But I, yeah, I found out that I was pregnant on New Year's Day after a particularly hard partying. <laughs> <laughs> so the amount of guilt that I felt, I was just like, oh my God, like if I killed my baby, what have I done? Yes. But I would say that there, it wasn't without a lot of stress because I think the intention was for not, not for me to get pregnant naturally. And yeah. now I spent the next two weeks terrified that it was going to be in the wrong place. Right. Of course. And and so we, when we finally got back to LA, we, you know, my OB got us in immediately. And, and like, I think like there's like every, I mean, in every pregnancy Pat, like since then 
the until I know that that embryo is in the right place. Right. Like for some people, it's when they hear a heartbeat. I think like for me, it's like he- having the doctor say, "Yep, it's in your uterus. Right, <laughs> you're good so to go." So okay. with um with Kyla, we I my husband and I had decided that we were going to try and get pregnant with number two. Uh-huh. We would give it three months. If it didn't work within three months, we would go back to our embryo bank. But my OB was basically like, "I think that the issue was the scar tissue after your uterus." stretches, I don't think that'll be a problem anymore. So I don't think that you will have these problems in the future. Okay. And I was like, okay. So I wasn't as nervous trying. Right. But I was, I think like the one thing I was just like, well, we have these embryos. I, you know, like I don't, if it ends up taking us a year, like I, you know, like I, I don't, I was a little bit more obsessive about the family planning aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And if I could take risk out and be, and like, uh, like, cause I was like, oh, I want my kids two years apart. And so we're going to give it this amount of time. And if not, then like, we'll go to our embryo bank. And then I got pregnant on the first try with Kyla. So that was a relief. And it was also like a very, like, we didn't find out the gender with her. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, just a, a different kind of special pregnancy as well. After you've gone through, you know, whatever trauma you've gone through personally, it's so hard to relax during the pregnancy. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like there's like pregnancy after loss is a whole category in itself. And I I talk about this a lot with, I've talked about this a lot on my podcast with people because it is, it's just like there, there was nothing more scary to me during my pregnancy with Luca. Like it's just every, every event felt like this huge hurdle and every single moment I felt like, well, if we can just get here, then we can, then I'll feel, then I'll feel better. And like, you know, for Luca it was, okay, if I can just, if, if we just find out he's in the right place, then I'll feel better. Then if we can just see her heartbeat, then I'll feel better. And I just realized that the entire pregnancy, I kept creating these like new like milestones. Benchmark, yeah. And and I was I spent I would probably say 40 weeks terrified. Interestingly with this third baby, I actually had like like a like weird bleeding at the beginning which was scary and mm-hmm. again I had I started with my my OB that had delivered the first two babies and she was just like she's like look the heartbeat's still there. She's like I wouldn't like I just I think you know it might have just been the ultrasound that caused this bleeding but don't worry about it and and I'm so glad that that was like her approach because I could have spent the next three weeks just like absolutely consumed over it. Definitely. And I was just like, no, okay. But I think like this, I mean, this gets really dark, but I I feel like the more we're seeing online, the more common you think things are. And I've had this like, this like just terrifying, like like terrifying thing on the back of my shoulders that like, I'm going to make it to 40 weeks here and and have a stillbirth or mm-hmm. have like an issue at late. Like, and it's just, I don't know if that's because I am doing a home birth and you know, like risk is a little bit higher. God forbid something goes wrong. Like, I don't know if that's why I'm so terrified about it, but like mm-hmm. this pregnancy more so than any other pregnancy, I've just felt like I'm going to get all the way to the end mm-hmm. and some, and I'm going to like feel this, this loss that I have not experienced yet and not be able to deal with it. And, and so I think, Pregnancy after loss can just like really mess with your head. Completely. I don't know if this is just 
like my experience, but it's, it yeah. is, hasn't gotten better, just like just darker in different ways with each. Yeah, no, I'm so glad that you said that. Thank you for saying that. It is, I know that is scary and maybe hard to like admit to you, but I think yeah. that would really help people to hear that, you know, if they're having the same kind of thoughts or notions. Hey guys, so since Sarah and I last did our interview, she had her third baby. So I wanted to do a little follow-up recording with her and we did that last week. So this next part is from last week because we wanted to give you guys the latest info. So enjoy. So I decided I wanted to do this last pregnancy very differently. And I did that by going with a midwife instead of an OB. And that was more for just like, this is the business I'm in. I wanted to have like a very different experience. And I had had two hospital births before this. And with this one, I was like, I just, you know, let's see, maybe I'm going to go give it an unmedicated, you know, birth a try. And so I found a midwife out where I live and planned on doing a birth center birth but you know with with covid and a lot you know like with everything that was going on i was like well it's like no safer to do a birth center versus home like if in the end of the day if there at the end of the day if there's a like a emergency event like i still have to go to the hospital and so i just was like let's just do it at home and my husband who had kind of been anti home birth was was like yeah you know i i see no reason not to if you're telling me that our house isn't going to be a murder scene like <laughs> and then like yeah i'm open you know like how messy is this going to get exactly oh my and like that was it's funny because that was both of our concerns i think when i think back to like our first baby like i remember being like there's so much blood mm-hmm. and and other fluids and other fluids <laughs> how is this not going to be a complete mess right and, and our, you know, I got, it was obviously the first question that we asked our midwife and she was like, you won't even know we were there by the time we leave. And she was right. Like we, we really like there, it was by that. Like, it wasn't like short. I recorded my, my birth story for, for my podcast uh-huh. and anyone who listened got to hear about me having a moment shitting on my floor, nice. but, um, <laughs> I don't know, I'm to swear, but, of course um, you are. but it was on a Chuck's pad and, Amazing. um, and, and so like, that was the only moment where I was like really conscious of the fact that I was in my own home was, was, and I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I'm pooping and pooping. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, it was just like really nice to labor at home. Going back to your question, was I more paranoid during this pregnancy? I had one moment where I got really nervous leading up to the home birth because of like a particular like story that like that stuck with me about a home birth and it, you know, ended up with a shoulder dystocia and then, you know, unfortunately, but so like that was, I, I had this like horror story in my head Scary. and so I, I was really nervous and I just like, I had to talk through it with my husband and with my midwife. So like I voiced my concerns and, you know, she was able to assuage them even so much. So like when, when I was delivering him, as soon as he was like, his head was out, she was like, and do you feel him turning? Cause like, if they, if they can turn, it basically means like a shoulder is not stuck. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, but I can't feel him, but thank you for like, cause now I'm not like, I'm not scared while I'm, while I'm doing this. Right. Right. But outside of that, I think like I had very different fears with my last pregnancy versus my first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I just kept, I kept like 
like it's so different when you have like a very like a vision like I, I kept you know I was, this was my last pregnancy and so I, I was like oh my god if something happens like I don't know if I can do this again and then had like having all these visuals of like what what that would like what our family was supposed to look like and then what it didn't look like and so it was it was very different I think than than the fears I had with my first mm-hmm. yeah that's completely understandable because it's a totally different experience and you're a different person at that point too Yes. Totally different person. And yeah, I think it's like, it's, I would have loved to have been able to go through three pregnancies and never concern myself with anything bad happening, but that was just, that was not my experience. Mm -hmm. And, and then like, you know, but it was a good preparation for, for having kids. Cause I think like, I am just inevitably worried about, you know, something happening to them and it prepared me for knowing that like things are out of my control. And there's only so much I can control. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Sarah. And Sarah, I'm so happy for you and your family and your healthy babes. So thanks again for sharing everything. Guys, definitely check out Juna. And also check out Fertility Rally Live, which is happening on April 17th. We are so excited to give anybody who is going through infertility or building their modern families a wonderful day of support and community, breakout sessions, panels, keynote talks, tons of giveaways. It's going to be amazing. So definitely check it out at fertilityrally.com. Tickets are on sale now. You can see even more and who the speakers are on our Instagram at Fertility Rally. So come and rally with us. All right. Talk to you guys next time.